All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, joining me now is Pete Harrison. He's running for New York's uh, 12th congressional uh, district, so it's a U.S. Congress seat. Pete, welcome to the Young Turks. Hey, Jane, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. So, Pete, uh, you've got a Democrat in that uh, seat already. Uh, let me ask. Start with a standard question. Uh, some Democrats will say, "What are you running against the incumbent for? We already have that seat." Yeah, I, I have certainly got that question. Um, but in New York 12, our representative is Representative Carolyn Maloney, and she's been in office for 26 years. And you know, I, I think in the simplest sense, she is kind of the definition of a corporate Democrat. And in that, I mean, you know, she's been good on some issues. Sincerely, she's kind of been there on some other issues, but for the really big issues, she's been on the wrong side of it. And I don't think there's a better example of that than with the uh, the housing crisis. Um, you know, in New York 12, it's over 70% home renters. A high percentage are rent burden. There's a high homelessness population. And uh, Carolyn Maloney takes a ton of money from real estate and from Wall Street. Um, she backed the Amazon headquarters deal, which was this big corporate real estate land grab. Um, and I think at the end, you know, she is one of the wealthiest members of Congress and she's a landlord. So it's hard to sort of see this housing crisis as large and extensive as it is and not start putting some dots together to say, well, you know, we've got Democrats that are on the wrong side of this issue and we've really got to take a grassroots approach against that and against real estate money. So Pete, you're for a homes guarantee agenda. I wanna know what that is in a second. But while we're on Maloney, you said that Maloney supported giving millions of our public money to Blackstone to buy my home Stuyvesant town. Okay, explain to folks that aren't from the area, what does that mean? Yeah, this is this is pretty egregious. So I live in Stuyvesant town, which was built in the 1940s. It's about 110 buildings, 26,000 people built with public money for World War II veterans, been a bastion of sort of middle income housing for a very long time. Now, you know, right before the Great Recession, this became this big hot real estate asset. It got gobbled up by a bunch of corporate landlords. A lot of people got kicked out. I had to fight for my own home and housing court because of some of these corporate landlords. So all that being said and done in 2015, Blackstone, which of course is the biggest private equity firm in the world, they got $220 million from our city with the backing of all of our elected officials to come in and take over Stuyvesant Town. And that was seen as a good thing. That was seen as a stabilizing force for this really big property in Manhattan. But of course, the reality of it is they have jacked up rents, they've kicked out a number of old residents, and they've been since then cited by the UN as one of the great um, problems within the housing crisis globally. So they are now the largest landlord, private landlord in the world, and they are kicking people out left and right across the country. So it's um, no small thing that a number of our Democrats at all levels of government thought this is a good idea four years ago and sort of continue to support that process. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's pretty scary taking on your own landlord, but that's the right thing to do. Okay. So uh, I'm amused by the idea of private equity being a stabilizing force. Um, so look, <laughs> so they, they, I really do believe that there's some good private equity groups, but private equity groups are largely known for being vultures, uh, coming in and shredding companies and, and put, loading it up with debt, putting it in their own pocket and then dumping the companies into bankruptcy. So stabilizing force is not the description I would have used <laughs> uh, in a situation like this. And 
why would the government pay money to a private company to take over something that was public and then have them profit from it? And what did they think that they weren't going to crank up the rent because they're not interested in profit? So like they say all this with a straight face? Yeah, I mean that's a great question and certainly a lot of us on the ground have been asking those questions. I think there is this um resignation within the Democratic Party that the best we can do is work with the private sector and mitigate some of the worst access uh excesses of capitalism as opposed to saying actually particularly at the federal level we have the resources to invest in deeply and permanently affordable housing. We can do that through uh, any number of programs and resources that have worked very successfully in this country. So I, I think it's a, just a, a lack of imagination. I think that comes from a generation of uh, democratic leadership that has prioritized the investor class, hasn't prioritized these big real estate real estate developers and corporate monopolies and extremist billionaires. And when you start listening to those people exclusively, those types of solutions like Blackstone start to make a lot of sense. Right, so what? So let's get back to your agenda. What's a home guarantee? Yeah, so the homes guarantee was a plan that came together through people's action with a number of groups across the country. And really the focus was building a plan that centered impacted communities within the housing crisis. And what's exciting about it is that it basically uh, and there are a number of policy proposals within it specifically, but the three core agenda points for it are, you know, building 12 million deeply and permanently affordable social housing outside of the speculative market. Uh, we don't need Blackstone to do that for us. Uh, the second is addressing the decades of systemic racism in our housing policy, from racist bank lending to real estate practices to zoning practices. Uh, and actually paying reparations for communities that have been subject uh, to this type of predatory practice. Uh, and then finally, and I think probably most importantly, it's centering homes and housing construction in this bigger transition to a Green New Deal economy, um, making more dense, walkable environments, decarbonizing our housing stock by taking back the power grid, making public transportation free, which is one of my agendas. Outside of the homes guarantee. So there are a lot of these really big ideas that are long overdue to talk about at the national level. And the homes guarantee uh, is such a great vehicle to have those conversations and to really move the agenda at that federal level. So, uh, Pete, um, this is one of the wealthiest districts in the country. And, and obviously, Maloney has a massive name recognition advantage over you. Uh, so, What's the battle plan for, for winning this race? Yeah, I mean, I think there is, and it's certainly not just in New York 12 and a number of other congressional races, both in the city and elsewhere, there is this sort of civil war happening amongst Democratic groups and voters and activists about what is the best way to defeat President Trump. Uh, I personally think that the best way to defeat President Trump is to defeat real estate developer Trump. And that's the homes guarantee, that's decommodifying housing. So I think just at a policy level, there is a hunger from the grassroots. There is a large segment of um, not as active Democratic voters, but people that care about what are we going to be doing in 2020 and beyond that are open to a really big agenda um, to sort of prioritize 
the difference between the grassroots Democratic Party and the corporate Democratic Party. And I think one of the best issues to contrast us um, is the Amazon headquarters, which of course was in the district. And I think Representative Maloney backing that, which as I said earlier, was complete land grab. It wasn't about jobs and it never has been. Um, that again, contrasts a larger point about what the Democratic Party is supposed to be doing, who's it supposed to be serving. Is it supposed to be serving Jeff Bezos or is it supposed to be serving the working class members of this district and elsewhere? So we've got some really good issues that are really complicated, but are very large and national issues we can talk about in this district. Uh, housing is just one of them. But I think starting there and having that conversation, getting out on the streets, um, leveraging a lot of the coalitions that have come together on housing to come together on Amazon. There's a base here that's energized and uh, this housing message can get into other Democratic voters that maybe wouldn't consider themselves part of the left, but are scared about housing, scared about their kids, scared about their grandkids. So this is a particularly exciting period. And I think this cycle is probably not um, available beyond 20, uh, 2020. So this is this is the time, I think. Yeah, I, look, Peter, so you got a tough road, but a lot of progressives had tough roads and won. <laughs> uh, and, and so I think a couple of you are gonna win. I just don't know which, I, I don't mean um, like progressives with the backing of like the bigger progressive groups, etc. I mean, guys like Peter who are like, no, I'm gonna run in the wealthiest district and I'm gonna run on <laughs> Being against the Amazon headquarters and a homes guarantee, and I'm going to run. And you got the endorsement of Democratic Socialists, right? For oh, we're working on that. Oh, working you're working on it. On it. Okay, yeah. but you joined them, so at least that's you know you're you're in that direction. And and with my guess, with very little money and 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 very little institutional support, that a couple of you are going to win anyway. And then people are going to be like, what just happened? Okay, <laughs> how did a Democratic Socialist win in that uh, incredibly wealthy New York district? So first yeah. of all, I wanna give the website PeterForNewYork.com. Okay, PeterForNewYork.com. But Peter, because look, he doesn't take corporate PAC money, obviously. So small dollar donations makes all the difference. You don't need to spend more than Maloney. You just need to have the <laughs> minimum, okay? And you yeah. can get to the minimum. So Peter, uh, one last thing. So that Amazon headquarters, you're concentrating on that. All of the media, including the New York media, says, "Oh, you guys are crazy, it costs jobs, etc." But do you have any information on what the actual voters think about that? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think if you polled triple prime voters right now today, I bet probably 55, 57 percent of Democratic primary voters support that deal still, and that's largely because of this narrative of jobs and investment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think if there's one downside to us kind of killing the deal back in February is that we didn't have more time to litigate and call out those sort of obvious lies and you know, starting with $3 billion of incentives for something Amazon was already going to do, never promised 25,000 jobs. Um, I want to relitigate that issue because the more we talk to people, the more we knock on doors, whether it's residents of Queensbridge houses, whether it's residents in Stuyvesant Town or whatever economic level, people have a pretty big problem with our government giving billions of dollars to one of the biggest corporations in the world. That's a pretty good place to start. Uh, and that's just the start. There's a lot of problems with that type of philosophy and ideology. And I think people that don't consider themselves radical 
uh, can be come over on that side and realize that, hey, this this isn't working. This might be why we have such economic inequality, racial injustice, and you know unpreparedness for climate disasters. So I'm very, very optimistic, uh, and I think we have enough data on the ground to use that as a wedge issue to really have these conversations. All right, Peter for NewYork.com. Thanks for joining us, Pete. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. Well, we are rebel headquarters. Uh, speaking of which, uh, when we come back, another guy who wasn't supposed to have any chance of winning, except he did, uh, and he's one of the biggest champions of getting money out of politics in the country. We'll talk to you when we come back. All right, back in the Young Turks. Uh, in the post game, we got a great question for you guys that uh, one of you asked during the show. Uh, if Donald Trump uh, says he's going to live office, are you okay with not prosecuting him for anything? Ooh, good question. Okay, uh, so we're gonna do that and we're gonna do a story about how Trump got his ass kicked in the South. Uh, so you're gonna like the post game, tyt.com slash join to become a member, get the post game that's coming up next. Okay, but we got a great interview for you right now. Joining me now is Ryan Buchanan, he's a state representative in New Hampshire. Representative Buchanan, welcome to the Young Turks. Hey Cenk, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. So I wanted to talk to you for a number of reasons. First of all, to encourage people to run. So what were you before you were a state rep? Before a state rep, I was actually a salesperson. I worked at Bob's Discount Furniture and I was going to school full time for my degree in accounting from UNH Manchester. And I had just started at an accounting firm, but I really wanted to run to get more education funding for my kids. My Both my kids have autism and I wanted to kind of get more funding to them. So I felt that since no one else was stepping up to do it, that I should do it. What was the name of the used furniture store? Uh, so it was Bob's Discount Furniture. They sell new furniture. They're, they were New England based, but they're kind of spreading throughout the United States right now. Oh, okay, I got you. Sorry, discount furniture, because used furniture probably makes less sense. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, so you're working there, you're working on your degree, you got two kids and you're, uh, so, but why decide to run for office? Well, like I said, my boys have autism. Uh, Darian, who's 10 years old, has very mild autism. My youngest son, Brian, has moderate autism. And our current governor, Governor Sununu, uh, just really cut into the education funding, gave a huge tax cut to Amazon, Apple, and Walmart, um, all with hopes of, you know, this the same line that you always hear from Republicans. It's going to build jobs, it's going to boost the economy. And of course, that's not what happened. Uh, and instead, what we saw was schools now being underfunded. We actually had an elementary school in Berlin that closed. So now those kids are going to the middle schools and high schools to get their education. And it was just one of these things that I saw this terrible pattern and I was like, I need to get involved. I need to do something about it. But Ryan, you don't have a lot of money. Uh, you, you, you know, you're, you're not a connected guy, etc. <laughs> so I'm, my guess is that most people would have told you, what are you doing? You can't win. But yet here you are, Representative Buchanan. Uh, so what happened? Uh, so it was a really interesting uh, Situation. So I called up the person who was running, uh, who was holding the seat. And originally I wanted to run for city council. She had both city council and state representative seat for our ward. And I talked to her and I said, Hey, 
I would really like to run for your city council seat. Uh, she said, well, I kind of like that, but I, uh, I'm looking to get out of the state representative's position, which is ultimately where I wanted to go. I want to start city council, move the state rep. And uh, I said, sure, I'd be interested in that. And we talked for a while and she decided, she said she would step down, let me run uh, for her seat without uh, her running against me. And I didn't have a primary challenger, so that helped out. And I'm in a really blue area and the Republicans kind of gave up on it a long time ago. So there was no serious challenge from the Republicans either. No, I love it. You, you see, but guys, that's why, just try it. You never know, <laughs> right? <laughs> so normally, uh, the representatives hand off their seat to establishment guys, but Ryan is nowhere near establishment, right? So, but what he had was gumption. And he's like, why don't I call her and tell her I want her seat? And then she's like, okay. <laughs> it's a great story. Only in America, baby. Only in America. Okay. Definitely. So, so, uh, so I love that story, but Ryan, the other thing that I, of course, I, I like about you is how much you care about money. Uh, out of getting money out of politics. So t talk to me about that. Uh, uh, what have you done in New Hampshire to further that movement? So I participate and work with uh, Wolfpack. Uh, we are making huge strides here. We, uh, the Republicans and Democrats have agreed to hear the bill in the Senate. Uh, unique, New Hampshire is unique in the fact that any resolution that goes to the Senate has to have two thirds vote to be heard before it could go to a committee. And, uh, and it's only for resolutions, other bills don't, need, don't have that requirement. Uh, the Republicans and Democrats have both agreed. So we should begin a bill hearing this coming up year. So look, man, we gotta check back in with you and see how it's going because New Hampshire is the state that has most bedeviled Wolfpack. Uh, <laughs> most promising <laughs> and most troubling at the same time because we won in, uh, and I, of course, I originally found a Wolfpack. That's why I say we in this context. But uh, one in this uh, one state house, and then the other, and then flipped, right? But never in the same year. It's got to be in the same year. Uh, that was the original time that we ran our first campaign. I say we again back then. Uh, you know, I, I'm uh, more involved in Wolfpack and uh, and uh, against Valencourt uh, and. There was a great legendary moment where the head of Wolfpack, current head of it, Mike Mineta, is canvassing against him. He runs into Valancourt at Burger King in the middle of the night. And Valancourt asks him, are you one of the people that came for me? <laughs> and the answer is yes, we were. He lost that seat in a shocker. So I give all that as context for what do you think now? You're now a state representative, so Representative Buchanan, what do you think our chances of winning are this year? Uh, that's a good question. I think in the Senate we have a pretty good chance. Um, I'm a little concerned in the House. There is a huge anti-Fifth Amendment, uh, sorry, Fifth Article Five uh, movement to prevent new amendments to happen through the Article Five clause. Uh, Anytime a bill comes to our committees, and I sit on the uh, state and federal relations committee, so I see most of these bills. Anytime they come through, there's always wave after wave of email talking about the fear mongering, the, these truly just kind of made up concerns to scare people into not voting for it. And where's, can you tell uh, where that's coming from, Ryan? I, I mean, it's a bunch of different groups, uh, and I can't remember all the names right now off the top of my head. I know that a couple of them will actually send people from Washington, D.C. 
to come and testify at the committee and tell the you know committee members why we shouldn't vote for this. And for some of my colleagues, it it's kind of sunk in and they kind of got scared. Um, but you know, every day I sit with them, I work with them on this, and I try to reassure them that this is not as scary as it seems. It is a very uh, legitimate way of getting uh, amendments passed, and uh, we've had amendments get passed because of this type of movement, and we could do it again. And this is just as good of a reason as any to give uh, this amendment passed. See, I love this story, because now Ryan's inside the building. The calls from coming inside the house, <laughs> okay? And so it's a different ballgame when you're a state legislator and you talk to your colleagues and you explain to them, hey, guys, here's the, here are the actual facts, etc. So it's a great, great story. I know you want to talk about other races in New Hampshire as well. First, a transition question. Why have we decided to go down to Miami for the white party while we're talking? I'm sorry, say again? <laughs> I'm just kidding around. It's the whole background is white, so I thought you were at the white party. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I think Pete I Diddy has the white terrible, party, right? I have this terrible 1960s paneling in my room, and I did not want to show that off to the world. So <laughs> I got a bed sheet up. To <laughs> oh, God, who doesn't love Ryan Buchanan? Okay. Uh, All right, so you got the Sununus. You can't get rid of them in New Hampshire, for Christ's sake. So you got an election coming up. Who, who's the progressive Democrat that people should back and do they have a good chance of beating Sununu? Yeah, so right now we have a wonderful progressive running for the governor's chair and that's Andrew Vilinsky. He's an executive council member. He's actually my executive council member. And he is, he's a wonderful guy. You know, he took the state of New Hampshire to the New Hampshire Supreme Court and won saying that they were not funding our schools properly. So you know, this is a guy who knows how to fight and this is a guy who's not afraid to fight. And the thing I love about him is that he's he's got his line in the sand. He says, this is where I'm not going to cross. You are not going to defund education anymore. And I love that. Um, you know, also talking with him, he's not taking corporate money. He's, you know, backs a $15 minimum wage. He loves the uh, Medicare for all. He uh, was actually one of Bernie Sanders' lawyers in 2016 that got Bernie Sanders on the Democratic primary ballot in New Hampshire. Uh, so this guy's a wonderful progressive. I love him to death. Like, like I said, he's my executive council member. I couldn't be prouder of him to be my executive council member, and I really want to get him to the governor's chair. All right. Uh, so, yeah, it sounds like we should get him on the show. Um, and and then, how about Democratic Party overall? No matter who wins the primary, what's the chances of unseating Sununu now? That's a good question. Uh, so, what we saw last time in 2018 is we ran an establishment Democrat candidate, uh, candidate, and she was wiped off the ballot. Uh, she lost in a blue wave. Uh, we completely took back all federal delegation. You know, Chris Pappas won uh, the seat, uh, which was up for grabs since our last Congresswoman stepped down. Uh, and we were able to uphold our, uh, our other seat too with uh, Congresswoman Custard. And we took back the House and Senate and the Executive Council at the state level, but we couldn't get the governor's chair. And I truly believe it's because New Hampshire is more progressive than what the Democratic Party gives it credit for. So I would really love to see a progressive take a swing at him. And I think that when it comes to it, you know, Chris Sununu's charm and, you know, plastic smile is not going to stand up to a strong progressive fighter. No, oh, look at that. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Ryan Buchanan from Bob's Discount Furniture to a <laughs> strong progressive fighter breaking the furniture. Inside the <laughs> state house. 
thank you for joining us. Thank you for fighting the good fight and and for being an American hero. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show. No problem. All right. Dare to dream, guys. Dare to dream. You never know. Get up and get out there and fight. Uh, Ryan Buchanan is an example to all of us. All right, now uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back with me and Anna in the post game, like I said, uh, would we take a deal to get Trump out of office? And uh, and how did Trump uh, lose, not only lose in the South, but is it a harbinger of things to come for him in terms of impeachment? That's a really important story. Both of those are in what we call the post game last half hour of the Young Turks. That's for just for members, tyt.com slash join. We'll be right back.